It's the Pete Callender Show. With more than 20 years as a reporter and radio host in North Carolina, Pete Callender is helping solve the world's problems one podcast at a time. Because he's a giver. And now, here's Pete. What is going on? Welcome to the show. Thanks so much for listening. I do appreciate it. And remember, subscribe at thepetecalendarshow.com and it gets delivered right to your smartphone or tablet every single day. Also, thank you to patrons of the program like Dennis, Terrence and Teresa, Rebecca and Taylor, Keith, Yuri, Larry, Patty, David, Trudy and Ron, Gene and Ben, and Alan, thank you very much. They all became patrons of the program, and you can as well. And then you get exclusive content, and you get the bumper stickers. Well, you get one if you're at the uh, the giver level. If you're a supporter, you get two different ones. Yeah, it's very exciting. Um, you can go to thepetecalendarshow.com. You can subscribe there, and you can become a patron there as well. Alrighty, so there was a gun control debate or a gun uh, concealed carry debate, a gun issue debate in the North Carolina House recently, a couple days ago, and uh, you'll never, <laughs> you'll never guess the argument that came up in opposition to the uh, the expansion of concealed carry rights. The the argument that the gun control crowd was advancing was that we don't need all of these new uh, areas for concealed carry permit holders to carry because that's what we have police for. <laughs> so the people who have been calling for a defunding of the police, their argument against the expansion of concealed carry into a very limited area. I'm going to go into the details here, but this expansion, their argument is that you shouldn't expand these gun or the concealed carry permits into this very limited area because that's why we have all the police that are all over the place policing everything to keep us all safe. (laughs) Yeah, tell that to the city of Asheville that is dealing with a massive shortage of police officers to the point now where they're not going to respond to certain non-emergency calls. I mentioned this in the podcast uh, the other day. I'm going to go into a little bit more detail on it uh, today. And uh, yeah, so we're going to start, though, with this gun control uh, debate. And I keep calling it a gun control debate. I don't know why. It's just I know I'm adopting the language of the left on that. And I apologize. It is. So first off, this came out of the Senate and then it passed the Senate uh, and then it went over to the House. And so that's where we're going to pick up the debate because that's where it was held. But the state Senate passed this bill that would let people carry concealed handguns at church and other religious services that are on school property or went on the property of religious institutions that also operate schools. There's a very limited area that we're talking about because I have the bill in front of me and it is not as expansive as one might um, necessarily automatically think. Okay, so people would only be able to carry guns when school and extracurricular activities are not in session. Okay, so if there's anything going on at the school that is also doubling as a religious services location, uh, you're still not allowed to carry. If there's curricular activities or extracurricular activities occurring at the property, then you are not allowed to carry. People would only be able to carry guns when school and the activities are not in session. The current law lets gun owners with concealed carry permits 
have handguns while in church and other religious services, except when the schools also operate on the property. That's the current law, right? So currently, like I'm a concealed carry permit holder. Uh, I'm allowed to take it into my church. I am allowed to take it to other religious services, unless, of course, obviously they say no guns allowed. Um because that's their right. If the, if the religious institution, if the church or the synagogue or mosque, if they say no to the guns, you're not allowed to have any on premises, that's totally their right to do so. Um, and I, as a congregant, would either have to abide by it uh, or find a new church. Or I guess I could continue to conceal carry and not tell anybody and just lie while I'm in church. But I think I think that is a direct, uh, like go directly to H-E double ho- uh, hockey sticks, right? I think that is an automatic trip, <laughs> Right, <laughs> right to Hades. Um, <clears throat> so that's the current law. Concealed carry permit holders who have a handgun while in church, it's totally allowable, except if there is a school operating on the property as well. And so this goes after that component. This bill goes after that uh, that one component. The bill would prohibit guns when students are on campus, but... Gun controllers like North Carolinians Against Gun Violence, or NCGV. Well, now, wait a minute. Why is it NCGV? It's North Carolinians Against Gun Violence. But their acronym drops the A out of the word against. And that's a big word. You can't, It's not like an at or a the or an of or an in. You, that's against. That's not two syllables. You don't get to drop a two-syllable word from your acronym. So, because now the acronym is just NCGV, which would indicate it's North Carolinians for gun violence. North Carolinian gun violence. I I don't, yeah, I don't like it. I don't, it's one of my pet peeves. If you're going to have an acronym, your acronym has to be what the name of the organization is. Anyway, they say they're afraid that people are going to misunderstand this and they're going to bring their guns regardless. And so they're not going to know if there are extracurricular activities going on. They're not going to know that the law says you can't go to the school uh, if their classes are in session, if there are curricular or extracurricular activities. Like people just are not going to pay attention to that. They said, quote, we oppose it. It circumvents state uh, circumvents state policy outlawing concealed carry of firearms on school grounds and would put school children at more risk of gun violence. The executive director, Becky Sirtas, said. Allowing guns in these churches pose a risk to children because people might accidentally fire their guns or leave their guns behind on school property. The organization also feels the bill, if passed into law, would make it easier to reduce gun control measures at schools. And there is the real issue. That's the real issue. They're worried that you give them an inch and the the Second Amendment people are going to take it a mile. And this is just one more uh, you know, one more piece of legislation they're trying to chip away to erode the gun control measures that these groups support. And they're not wrong. They're not wrong. Th- this is correct. This is also a tactic that the left has been using for a very long time to chip away at laws and institutions that they don't like. And so the right is doing this as well. And so they're they're targeting different portions of gun restrictions to try to make those fall. And they're seeing success. And this bill is another example of it. The North Carolina Council of Churches stands with the NCGAV. I'm redoing their acronym. 
they're, they're opposed to this. The North Carolina Council of Churches, um, there's like 130 plus churches, and they signed a letter in opposition to this. Uh, last year, Governor Roy Cooper vetoed a very similar bill. Uh, the writing was almost identical, and uh, he said at the time, quote, this bill allows guns on school property, which threatens the safety of students and teachers. Again, the students and teachers are not there, <laughs> but the gun merely being on the premises 24 hours prior to the arrival of a teacher, that makes it more dangerous. That makes it more dangerous. This is all according to the story from back in March in the News and Observer. Okay, so it passes the Senate back in March. It's approved 31 to 17. Okay, then it goes to the House, and that's where we pick up uh, the debate. Jeff McNeely, who is a representative Republican from Iredell, he introduced the bill. I know a lot of people uh, are probably not going to vote for this bill because it has the word gun in it. Uh, but that's not what this bill's about. And if, if guns are so bad, then I, I, I'm pretty sure a fork and a car are just as bad, and I don't know which is going to kill more this coming year. And if I keep eating, I think it'll be the fork. I do want to say this, a few things. One, if you're thinking about voting against the bill, and that's your prerogative, that's fine. But if you go to church, and I hope you do go to church, and you have a security team that protects you while you're at your church, which obviously means you don't have a school there, then I wish you'd just vote and sit still and don't say nothing because I feel the hypocrisy. Now, let me pause it right there for a second, because that exact example is going to come up in the floor debate. OK, so remember, he said, if you have if you are at a church and you've got a security detail, then please and you're going to vote. No, just shut up because you already have armed guards around you and you don't have a school on your property. That's why you are allowed to have armed guards. So keep that keep that example in mind. And I know that I know that some are going to speak out today against this for a sound bite because they want to be heard against guns. Mr. Speaker, point of order. <laughs> uh, for what purpose, the gentleman from Wake, Representative Martin, has risen to a point of order. The gentleman is recognized to state his point of order. In, in violation of our rules and of the Masons, the gentleman is uh, addressing the motivations of folks who may or may not vote for this bill. Ooh. The chair is going to be honest. The chair had, was talking to another member, did not hear what was said. But the chair would, would make this uh, uh, statement. To any member debating, uh, to not question or not try to personalize any of the debate or, or why one side or one person opposes or support. So we just ask uh, uh, any members debating to keep that in mind. Gentleman has the floor to continue debating the bill. All right. And I just want to point out here, just for the record, that uh, Democrats do this all the time on the floor of the House and the Senate. They talk about the motives that the Republicans have when they are trying to, you know, pass legislation and suppress people's rights to fill in the blank. Right. This is what uh, this is normal in the debate. But Democrats are very, you know, uh, very I don't want to say trigger happy, but uh, they're very quick to respond when they think their motives are being assailed. Um 
Now, if your mattress, by the way, is being assailed, which it kind of is like every single night, right? Like when you sleep on it, you're putting pressure on it and uh, you're like you're shedding your your skin uh, cells and sweat into the mattress. And it's kind of, yeah, it gets kind of gross after a while. You need a new mattress. And that means you go to Mattress Man Stores, mattressmanstores.com. This is where Christy and I got our mattress from. And you can celebrate spring with a free box spring before summer is here. Um, go to mattressmanstores.com and get a free box spring when you buy a mattress from the Biltmore Collection, inspired by North Carolina's own landmark here. Mattress Man is an exclusive retailer of the Biltmore Collection made by Restonic. Uh, so you get the blend of old world craftsmanship and new world exclusive technology like five support zones for correct spinal alignment and that means a more restorative healthier sleep and uh, you don't even have to wait for the new mattress synchrony finance offers zero down zero interest for up to 72 months for qualified applicants and they have tons of flexible financing options go to mattressmanstores.com click the financing link you can apply and get pre-approved right now five-star local delivery service nationwide shipping and a 120-day comfort guarantee experience the difference at mattress man four stores in Asheville, hendersonville and arden mattressmanstores.com buy local and sleep better all right back to representative jeff mcneely republican from iredell who introduced the bill i'm sorry mr speaker if that's the way it was taken it was not meant that way <laughs> but do know this we sit in here and we feel very safe and very privileged because we are protected by people outside here who are armed. True. And that's a blessing. I hope all can have that security and that safety and that blessing, wherever they may be. And not saying this in a bad way or a wrong way, but I look at this bill and I think a lot about the mask that we've all wore, some more than others this past year, and it kept you safe and it made you feel safe. And some are still wearing it, and that's great, and that's fine, and that's their privilege, and that's their right to protect themselves and keep themselves safe. Mm-hmm. This is a great analogy. And that's pretty much what this bill's about, too. It's about that feeling of safety, that ability to protect yourself, that ability to worship and know that there's maybe one less thing that could happen to you that day because you're protected in some way or some form. Right. What have I been talking about from the beginning of the pandemic, almost from the beginning of the pandemic? As soon as the Gallup survey uh, was published by Franklin Templeton, the financial advisor group, and they were like, uh, look at the misperception of risk of catching COVID and dying from it. And Americans have a wildly misperce a wild misperception of the risks. And it is particularly acute on the left side of the political spectrum. Democrats are more likely to have a, uh, a greater misunderstanding of the risks of catching it and then of dying from it. So they, they're all about the masks, more so than people on the right, right? I mean, I just saw somebody call the Republican state convention, call that a super spreader event. <laughs> Today, like this past weekend was the convention, and they're still calling these mass gatherings, quote, super spreader events, right? They have a misperception of the risk. The chance of you catching COVID and dying from it is very, very small, particularly if you're young and healthy, right? Very, very small. Um, but for the same reasons of personal risk assessment and protection, right? People are making decisions about what safety protocols they would like to adopt. And so I think this is a really smart move by McNeely to, uh, to make essentially the left's argument against it. Then uh, we've got Mary Belk, Democrat from Mecklenburg, and she says, look, if congregants of a church want to feel safe, 
there are ways to protect themselves besides having members of that church conceal carry. And what that is, is to have people who are trained and they can ask them to come and protect their uh, congregations, and that's through law enforcement. People are trained to <laughs> deal with situations where there are people who are out intent on harming other people. It's a deterrent when we talk about how do we be safe. One of the deterrents is when you see law enforcement, they can bring their vehicles. You know, you see it. If somebody's going to uh, do harm, if they see law enforcement, they might say, this is not a place where I want to be. We can do that. That is the prerogative of a church if they feel so unsafe and uh, feel that they're parishioners have to be protected. I don't know that we have to say, let's have people in the congregation who have concealed weapons in churches where there are school facilities. I don't think that that's a necessary when we do have people that that is what their profession is, to keep us safe. Okay, so the profession of law enforcement is to keep us safe. Isn't that interesting? It's kind of a different message <laughs> that I've been hearing from a lot of our friends uh, in the Democratic Party over the last year or so, that uh, the you know, policing in America is corrupt. It is a descendant of the slave patrols. It's all inherently racist, systemically racist and all of that. But now, apparently, their their job is to keep us safe, <laughs> which is very is a very convenient argument. Yes, it's very interesting. McNeely responds to this. Uh, argument breaking down the costs of hiring off-duty law enforcement officers. I talked with my sheriff about this because that has been brought up in committee that they could hire security just like Representative Belk just stated. Uh, unfortunately, that's very expensive, he said, to, and it'd have to be an off-duty uh, police officer of some kind. It cannot be just a security team. That's not allowed in the state because of the bill, the way the general statute is now. And he said it would be somewhere between 250 and $300 per time. So if they meet Sunday morning, Sunday evening, and Wednesday, you're obviously looking at close to 750 to $900 a week that it would cost for that security. And, you know, funny, uh, a lot of police uh, and sheriff's departments right now are struggling with their budgets because for some reason or other they didn't get as much funding here lately <laughs> as they have in the past. I think that was the choice of some elected officials. And so they don't have the manpower, especially if you look at Buncombe. Buncombe is about 40% under their stated need as far as what they have to have, city of Asheville, uh, right now. They're just one example, but there's many out there. So to be able to have somebody come and do this, it's going to really be almost impossible. Uh, so, yeah, that's uh, that's true. He's he is correct. Uh, Asheville, a year after local protests against police violence marked a spike in officers quitting, the attrition rate among city police continues to surge, setting off what the chief of police has called a crisis and leading to a recent announcement that officers would not respond to uh, would not respond in person to some crimes like fraud, a lot of thefts under a thousand dollars. Um there, uh, there even more service cuts uh, are likely, he says, as APD struggles to fill vacancies that now amount to 30 percent of the 238 sworn officer positions. Quote, this is what it looks like when you're down this much, when you lose 50 percent of your detectives. 
A nationally recognized policing expert, when asked about the decision, warned that not responding to low-level crimes could cause an escalation in more serious offenses, but local activists pointed to the fact that violent crime has not risen significantly this year, although it has risen, and say the city is better off leaving the positions unfilled. Quote, a 50% reduction in detectives and 30% reduction in officers and there's no change in crime. Again, crime did go up in Asheville. Um, Good. Cut their budget in half. That's all the justification you need, said one man calling into the committee meeting who identified himself as Jose and said he was one of the city's working homeless. I believe the term is actually uh, houseless. It's not homeless. Homeless is now a triggering word. That is a microaggression. Um, Speaking of homes, if you're thinking about getting a home in the Asheville area, I have got the realtor for you. It is Rowena Patton and her all-star powerhouse team. The phone number is 828-333-4483. That's 828-333-4483. The website is mountainhomehunt.com. She's the official and only Homes for Heroes real estate agent in the Asheville area. This is a national program that gives buyers and sellers 25% back from the realtor commissions. It goes to police officers, firefighters, healthcare professionals, and educators, as well as members of the military, so veterans, active duty, and retirees. Keep more of your own money by uh, using Rowena Patton and her all-star powerhouse team, the British Girl in the Mountains, 333-4483. That's 828-333-4483. Give her a call or check out the website, mountainhomehunt.com. All right, so the North Carolina House debated a bill a couple days ago that would allow people with concealed carry permits to have a gun on school property after hours if the facility was being used for religious purposes. Uh, the name of this bill um, to, 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 to is the Protect Religious Meeting Places. Act, Senate Bill 34. Now, we heard from Mary Belk from Mecklenburg. She's a Democrat uh, saying, look, they can hire police officers, off-duty cops. And you heard uh, Representative McNeely make this counter argument that uh, the sheriff's department where he lives, they were going to charge $250 to $300 per need per event. So, you know, if you've got a Sunday morning service, a Sunday evening service, and you've got a Wednesday Bible study, then you've got three events per week. That could run you anywhere from $750 to $900, he said. So let's take $800 as an average, and you times that by 52 weeks in the year, and you're over $41,000 of total cost to a church. And they're not going to be able to afford that. So all this bill would say is, look, if you've got a, a a church with a school on premises, right, then or a private school that rents out space to a church on the weekends, if you've got concealed carry permit holders who are uh, willing to do the security work for that congregation, they should be allowed to do that. That's what they're saying. Um, and uh, I, I, I'm not sure if... Representative Belk's argument was part of sort of a spaghetti strategy, as I call it, where you just throw everything up against the wall and see what sticks, you know? Or if this is some sort of a blind spot that representatives from larger, wealthier districts might have about how a lot of churches operate in rural areas and small towns. Next up is Marsha Mori. She is a Democrat from Durham, and she spoke in opposition to the measure. Well, I wonder if the costs of security would outweigh the cost of any liability for someone who's carrying concealed in one of these situations and misfires, hits someone else, hits an innocent person. Is that church going to be able to afford the insurance, the policy, the civil lawsuit? 
Okay, all right, hang on a second. If I'm concealed carrying and I'm walking into a store or, you know, anywhere, and I do something that causes some injury to somebody, the place that that occurs is not liable for that. I would be. I'm liable. I'm personally responsible for that as a concealed carry permit holder. So I find this to be one of the weakest arguments I've ever heard. We have police, as Representative Belk said, for a reason, for safety and protection. But what we're debating is not a first soundbite. It's looking at a serious concern of the proliferation of guns in this country. In January alone, over two million gun background checks were done in this country. Two million more guns within one month in this country, month after month after month. And we are debating bill after bill after bill, not for legal ownership of guns, but let's expand. Let's take them anywhere. Let's take them anytime. Because we are going to do all we can to protect ourselves and make sure we are armed to go after the bad guy or protect others. Mm -hmm. Yes, that is Talk the purpose. Talk about defund the police. Mm -hmm. okay. If everyone's armed, we don't need an armed force. We don't need police <laughs> safety and protection. Wait a minute. Okay, so here you have the exact opposite argument being made by Representative Morey that Representative Belk made, even though she cited Belk's argument about, like, just let the cops do it. But Morey then says, well, look at all of the, the permit uh, background checks that have been uh, done, two million in a month. Like, oh, my gosh, the proliferation of all these guns it's out of control well then you say that if the increase in gun ownership should lead to a reduction in police force uh, numbers that's the exact opposite argument you can't have that both ways you can't cite increased gun ownership as a reason to defund police and then turn around and tell people to go get the police <laughs> to act as the uh, armed security at their Sunday services, especially when you've got uh, the defunding movement already having impacts across the country. Uh, other police departments are, you know, Asheville is not alone in seeing this kind of attrition. So it's just a, these are just bad faith arguments. And I understand, look, I am sympathetic to uh, to the fact that they are forced to make these really bad arguments because they just have a really bad position. Like, I understand it's it's a weakness in the position, but they have to make these arguments. They have to. They've got to put up some bit of opposition to this or else they're going to get raked over the coals by their base. And once again, I've made this argument before. Active shooter training is not required for anyone who gets a concealed handgun permit. No, that's true. I think true. we're putting people in a much more dangerous situation, especially in a place of worship. The common sense solution, get a private security guard get an off-duty police officer. But to continue to expand and expand everyone's right to carry anywhere, anytime, this country is facing some dark days ahead as our gun violence goes up. Where we should be looking is common sense gun safety, not infringing on anyone's Second Amendment rights. <laughs> but it's getting out of control. Okay, so this is another talking point that comes from the Every Town USA or the Moms Demand Action crowd, like the gun control groups. This is one of their talking points, which is we are not trying to infringe upon the Second Amendment. No one's coming to take your guns. Uh, we love guns too. We're fine with guns. We don't object to guns. We just want, quote, common sense regulation. We just want common sense measures. They just think if you call these things common sense, 
then um, then you'll agree to it. But when you listen to what they're actually advocating, it's not common sense at all. In fact, she's talking about rising gun crime rates or whatever. That's actually not true. I mean, well, it has been true over the last year. I couldn't imagine whatever might be causing that spike in uh, violent crime and gun crimes over the last year. Might there be some connection to something? I'm not sure. Maybe maybe somebody will figure it out. But over the last few decades, crime, and I've had this argument with a lot of people right of center, a lot of conservatives who think that crime has been getting worse, and it actually hasn't. It's been going down. Crime has been declining for several decades. Why? Well, a lot of the experts don't know. They have theories. I mean, I've heard theories and everything from, you know, there's less lead paint being used in um, residential uh, you know, dwellings. And so people aren't getting lead poisoning. <laughs> I've heard people attribute it to the rise in um, contraceptive use and abortions. I've heard people on the left make those arguments that you have fewer people and they're coming from better backgrounds versus, you know, in destitute poverty. And so that's what causes the crime, even though that's not actually true. But like these are the arguments I've seen kicked around. There's also another gun related argument that we're going to hear Representative Keith Kidwell make. Yeah, he's going to make this argument in a minute. First, I want to uh, tell you about Old Grouch's military surplus. If you are among the uh, millions, the record number of new gun owners in America, then Old Grouch's military surplus is going to help you with some of the essential accessories that you can pick up. Go to oldgrouch.com. It's got tons of stuff there, duffel bags, MREs, backpacks, thermal blocking, camo netting, um, body armor. When he can find it, this stuff is in high demand right now for some reason or another. I'm not sure. Also, home and workplace first responder kits. This is so cool. So it's a big bright orange duffel bag with the um uh with the reflector tape and all of that it's got more than 350 components inside each kit to handle all kinds of medical events from a minor scrape to a broken bone the kits are made in north carolina and uh it's got everything that you need they're extremely popular with scout groups sports teams school groups small business owners who want to be sure they can take care of employees or customers in case of an injury and uh, they've got room in these kits so you can expand them. You can add more stuff to them because like I bought a uh, years ago, I got a, a kit for the car, you know, and it's it's all jam packed, like with all of like the road flares and all that stuff. And you can't add anything to this bag. I mean, it is so tightly packed. Not these bags from uh, Old Grouch's military surplus. Go check them out online. Old Grouch dot com. Twenty four seven Old Grouch dot com. So those were the arguments from Representative Morey that, you know, civil lawsuits, church liability, if you shoot an innocent person, we have police, you know, use them and we shouldn't arm our whole society. Or, and if we do, then we shouldn't have any more cops. And, you know, she's concerned about the proliferation of guns and it's more dangerous to have a concealed carry holder in a mass shooting event, which I don't think that's actually true. I think I'd rather have a concealed carry holder in a mass shooting event than none. That's just me. I would prefer <laughs> I'd prefer to have one versus zero. Representative Keith Kidwell from Beaufort uh, then questioned his fellow Republican, Representative McNeely, about these arguments from Marsha Mori. Uh, in this bill, I, I've read it through and I, I didn't find it. Is there any place that the uh, that says that people would be required or that the churches would have to sanction uh, the, the carrying that would put them in a liability situation? Uh, thank you for the question, Representative Kidwell. No, there is no requirement. This allows for an option. They may, not shall. They may, if they choose. So the, if I may, so the church itself would not say, we want you to carry a gun on Sunday, which would then put the church in a liability position. Is that, is that correct? 
That is correct, sir. So, so the next question would be is, uh, would the church have the, the ability to post a sign that said no firearms are permitted regardless of this law? Yes, they could put that the sign up. They're more than welcome to. That is their right. So then Kidwell points out how the left is always talking about choice unless it's about people choosing to protect themselves. You know, it's their choice to do it. It's their choice whether or not they want to carry. It's their choice whether or not they want to defend their family. It's their choice whether or not they want to go to a church that allows people to carry a firearm in that building. So let's allow them the choices that you're very fond of. Uh, we talk about the cost. Evidently, it doesn't matter that it costs the church's money to hire these private security firms or the police to come in and defend what could be done at no cost. And in fact, as my friend Jay Adams has pointed out, Representative Adams pointed out many a time, one of the biggest deterrents to stop somebody from going into any structure and executing a crime is somebody in there might be armed. Just the fact that they might be armed stops this. If you look at things like school shootings and church shootings, when they know there's going to be armed people, the bad guys don't go in. It's that simple. They go to the places where they're not likely going to be killed before they execute their crime. The way you do that is by having an armed society. As we've heard in the past, Samuel Colt said, an armed society is a polite society. And that's a fact. You don't generally get real aggressive with somebody if they might be carrying a gun. <laughs> kind of makes you shut up and sit down. When someone is armed, we find a group of people there that are very law-abiding citizens. Statistically, it is a fact supported time and time again by the FBI that when people have concealed carry permits, they are the most law-abiding group of people on the planet. There's a reason for that. Number one, they had to go through a lot of effort to get that permit. True. They don't just hand them out like, like candies on, on Halloween at the Sheriff's Department. You have to go down, you have to make application, you have to take a course, you have to disclose everything about yourself, your mental health status, your physical status. Have you ever beat up on somebody in a domestic violence situation? Have you had a DUI? Are you a United States citizen? Have you been a criminal? Then they run background checks to make sure you didn't lie. And if you did, you're going to get arrested for that. Once you get a concealed carry permit, you've invested a significant amount of money, time, and effort to get that permit. People don't want to lose that ability. Mm -hmm. That's why they are the most law-abiding group of people. Law enforcement is not as law-abiding as concealed carry permit holders. That is a factual statistic. They commit more crimes. <laughs> True. I'll give you another one you didn't know. And anybody in law enforcement that ever wants to correct me, I'll be outside later on. I'll take your questions. Law enforcement misses their target 85% of the time with the first three rounds. <laughs> wow. You know, concealed carry permit holders are much better shots than that. In general, they are far more accurate missing with only the first round generally hitting with the second and third. So in most cases, they're more accurate than law enforcement. These, look them up. Don't take my word for it. You can Google it. It's there. It's real simple. Who's paying that bill? Because, ladies and gentlemen, if we take away people's Second Amendment rights, which I would argue you do already, who's paying the bill? Because here's the habit we're in. 
whether it's a Second Amendment right, whether it's a right to fish or hunt, we, government, takes away people's rights and sells them back to them for a fee. Now you want to take away the right and the ability of churches and law-abiding citizens to protect themselves on Sunday, not just in church. Because if I'm carrying a firearm, I have to go from the church to my car, from my car to the church. Who's protecting me during that time? Are we going to have police officers hired to walk me in and out of church on Sunday? church I attend has four services on Sunday, one on Saturday. That bill's going to get really big really fast. Are we going to fund that through the General Assembly? No, they're not. Are we going to have the taxpayers pay that bill? No, not going to happen. We can do this for free. We can keep the, the ne'er-do-wells out by saying there might be an armed person in there. And we do it for free because they'll go out and practice on their own. They'll go out and get their own weapon, and they'll be there. If you want to see the video, it's online. The guy that walked in with a shotgun in the church in Texas, we talked about this last time this bill was up here. Three people rose to defend that church. All three were armed. Two of them were killed, unfortunately. The third person took out the perpetrator. He did it with a very nice 357 Magnum, I might add. One shot, properly placed, and it was over. How much more would have happened in that situation had those three people not been there and willing to defend the other parishioners at that church. All right, then after Kidwell spoke, Representative Susan Fisher, Democrat from Buncombe County, uh, then told people to wear orange to oppose guns over the weekend, because that's the kind of thoughtful and persuasive leadership that the left in Asheville has been sending to Raleigh for more than a decade. Then Representative James Galliard, a Democrat from Nash County, said, look, He's a uh, concealed carry permit holder himself, as is his wife, uh, and uh, he's still going to vote no on this bill. I'm voting no on this bill because it seeks to address a problem that just, quite frankly, doesn't exist. Now, let me be very clear. Every church shooting is one church shooting too many. I thought it doesn't but let's exist. look at the real data around church shootings. There are 10,000 churches in North Carolina. Typically, those churches will worship at least once per Sunday. And to an earlier statement by another representative, many of those churches worship multiple times in a Sunday. Now consider for a moment the math. 10,000 churches at least 52 times a year. You're over a half a million a year. If you would extrapolate that over the last five years, and then ask yourself in North Carolina, how many church shootings were there? You would quickly ascertain that this is a non-issue. If you would take it further throughout the country, 300,000 churches, which you'll find that there's been 19 shootings, which means you're three times more likely to be struck by lightning than to be shot in a church. But yet we're not passing legislation that if it happens to be storming on a Sunday, we should pass some kind of legislation against God. It just simply what? is a non-issue. Mr. Speaker. Data suggests. Uh, for what purpose says gentleman from our day, Representative McNeely. Right? Could, I, could I ask Representative Gillard a question, please? Representative Garris, gentleman yield to a question? I do not yield. He does not yield. Don't ask for. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. <laughs> Lifeway Research which is owned by the Southern Baptist Convention, 
arguably the most conservative and the largest conservative church body in America. Their research suggests four out of five churches, 80% of churches already have security. And just as a FYI, that doesn't cost anything. You don't pay people to greet at the door. You don't pay people to be ushers. You don't pay people to sing on the choir. Lots of people who are in churches that are concealed carry holders volunteer their service to secure their church building. So I'm voting no because this is simply an issue that we ought not be legislating in our state house. So because it's so rare, there's no reason to allow people to protect themselves at these churches if the church has a school on the same property. That's what he's that's the that's the argument. So does that logic hold true for armed guards at the General Assembly at the State House? Because there's never been an armed attack on the General Assembly. Why do they need armed protection? I mean, it's just math, right? 80% of churches, he says, already have security, and they are volunteer concealed carry holders. Again, this does not apply to these churches that are targeted in this bill, because these churches are on private property, and they have, um, they've got schools on the property, too, or they're holding service in a school. And because of that, they're not allowed to have the same security that the 80% of other churches do have. Now, after he finished speaking, Gallier did yield to a question from Representative McNeely. Representative Gilliard, I understand you're a pastor of a church. Do you have a security team at your church? Yes, we do. Are they armed? Yes, they are. Oh, wait. So wait a minute. Okay. So Galliard has a church and his uh, church is protected by armed guards and uh, he's voting against a bill that would allow other churches to enjoy the protection his church has. <laughs> like I said, it's, I understand. I am empathetic to the fact that they're trying to make arguments that are not good because their position is not good, right? If there's a reason why it seems like their, uh, their position is hypocritical, it's because it is, it is, they're being hypocrites. Right. They're saying that their church can enjoy armed protection, but yours cannot simply because yours is being held at a private school that rents you the space or you have a private uh, school that's attached to your church. And so now you're not allowed to have uh, your concealed carry permit holders act as an unpaid security force for you. And that's it. That's the difference. That's the whole difference. They think if you want to be able to hire law enforcement, uh, you should be able to do that, obviously. Uh, but if you want to have concealed carry permit holders volunteer, you can't. They can. You can't. <laughs> it really is amazing. By the way, uh, Keith Kidwell, Representative Kidwell, uh, what he was arguing there, and, and, and he is correct that the, and I mentioned this earlier about the crime rate, um, the the crime as it's been declining uh, is inversely related to the rise of concealed carry permits. The more and more people that are getting concealed carry permits, the lower the crime, the gun crime has been going. Why is that? <laughs> Think about it, everybody. <laughs> if only there was some sort of, I don't know, logical, dare I call it common sense, conclusion to draw from this. Now, the only conclusion you can draw from what I'm about to tell you is uh, that you need to go to general equipment rental, okay? Quality equipment, they've got great pricing, and they have excellent service. General equipment rental in Weaverville, 
They're at the intersection of Merriman Avenue and Reams Creek Road, and they're uh, you know, family-owned and operated for three generations, and they've got all of your equipment needs, whether you need some small power tools to you know do a couple jobs around the house, or you need like some heavy-duty machinery for a project, uh, or you're looking to purchase you know some big uh, you know commercial-grade uh, equipment for your business. Whatever your needs are, go to General Equipment Rental. They're going to be able to help you. And by the way, don't be intimidated. A lot of people get intimidated when they're like, oh, I got this project, but I don't really know how to use any of the tools. They're going to show you how to use the tools. Okay. So if you're going to rent a tool from them, they're going to show you how to use it because, you know, they don't want you breaking their tools <laughs> first and foremost, no, but they want you to finish the job and they want you to do it correctly. Do it right the first time, right? They want to help you. So go to General Equipment Rental. Tell them you heard it here on the program, whether you're looking for, you know, air tools and compressors or scaffolding. Um, or uh, maybe you're looking for you know lawnmowers to buy or trimmers or hedge clippers or chainsaws or uh, maybe a pressure washer to rent uh, or a generator or a tiller. Um, whatever your needs are, go to General Equipment Rental and they will take care of you 10% off your first rental. Check out their uh, deals and their inventory. It's all at generalrents.com, the website generalrents.com and think outside your toolbox. All right, back to this debate. Uh, we now go to Representative Abe Jones. He is a Democrat from Wake County. And if the name sounds at all familiar, it's because we played some audio from him during the debate about the increased penalties for rioting. You remember that debate a couple of weeks ago? And he was one of the few Democrats to um, to vote with the Republicans on that bill. And remember, he made the argument like, uh, like, I hear you guys, like my fellow Democrats, like we need to stand up and say, like, this is not acceptable. You're not supposed to be rioting. You wouldn't put up with this in your neighborhoods. Um, you need to stand up and say this. Right. He called on his fellow Democrats uh, to take a position uh, for law and order, for a civilized society. He didn't really get a lot of takers. <laughs> he got like, I think about three. I think three Democrats joined him. But um, he has now quickly become like, in my mind, He's the most common sense Democrat in the General Assembly now. OK, he's the only one that like if I want to get some sort of a uh, I don't want to say moderate, but like, again, like common sense, logical um, argument. I'm looking to Abe Jones out of Mech or out of uh, Wake County, by the way. So here was his argument. I sat here and thought about this a long time. Uh, the bill. First of all, let me get a couple things straight. People in churches have a right to bear concealed weapons. Right now. Oh, true. Okay. Already. The schools generally have security people. And I'm not sure if they have weapons or not. And someone can tell me they do or don't. I think some do. All right. But this bill speaks specifically to a situation where school education property and church is combined okay so the the drafters of this have made an effort to separate out the right to bear arms when that combination is uh not in play and i read from the bill it says section um three gs 14-269.2 is amended to allow the following, the educational property is the location of both a school and a, and a building that is a place of religious, religious worship 
as defined in GS 14-54.1. So it sets the foundation. Then it goes on to say in part four, handgun is only possessed and carried on educational property outside of the school operating hours. So they took care of that. They also say the person or persons in legal possession or control of the premises have not posted a conspicuous notice prohibiting carrying a concealed weapon. So they say if you want to stop anyone, you can put a sign up. So they, got, they have exceptions in there, but what it allows is when the church that shares the educational property is in session, if they have chosen, and they make that decision on their own. Each mm -hmm. church makes its own decision. Reverend Gale, you just said what his church made decision of. They have a right to protect themselves when they're worshiping. I, I grieve over the Charleston thing. It makes me very, very sad that that guy went in there pretending to be a worshiper and slaughtered those people like that. It's sickening. And I wished, wished, wished that somebody had been there to protect those dear people from that crazy man. And so, I, I, like I said, I'm going to tag me and bag me and say I shouldn't have spoken to this. But I thought I had to speak to that. I, I'm a gun owner. I have a gun at my home. I had a gun, a gun when I was a judge. Uh, I've never, thank God, had to use it, but it's my home. And if someone's in there worshiping God in a building that happens to be used at other times for education, but it's not being used at that time, they have a right to protect themselves when they're worshiping. That's all this is doing, I believe. And we know we're not supposed to be personal, but I got nervous when I agreed with Kidwell. <laughs> so, 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 but, but I'm just saying, read the bill, look at it, think about it. It's not just, now if you're just against guns, I understand, I respect people just against guns, but I can't be a hypocrite. I'm not just against guns, because I have guns. And I don't apologize. I'm a very peace-loving man, believe me. But if someone comes after my family or someone I love, or if I'm in a worship service, I, and I'm not on the security team, I, I wouldn't want me on it. But, but we have a right to protect ourselves when we're trying to worship God. Abe Jones, Democrat from Wake County, voted for this bill, voted for this legislation. And what he just outlined there, and I know he kind of got into the weeds on the statute language and all, but what he just outlined there is the rational, I think, logical approach to assessing a bill. And he said, look, they've they've tried to accommodate all of these concerns and they're targeting this one specific kind of um, facility. And you have this right. And he noted the hypocrisy that some churches get to decide this because they are not covered by this particular restriction that is, I would submit, it's probably a remnant, just a leftover of uh, pre-existing law. And uh, and so Abe Jones voted for this bill. He was joined by Charles Graham, a Democrat from Robeson County, Shelley Willingham, a Democrat from Edgecombe, and Michael Ray, a Democrat from Halifax. Oh, sorry, there was another. So this would be the fifth Democrat who voted for this bill. Brian Turner, Democrat from Buncombe County, who we just had on the program a couple of weeks ago talking about the zipper merge and all and camping. <clears throat> but um, th like Brian Turner recognizing and uh, because I mean, I think he recognizes his constituency uh, is in support of this. And also these are more rural areas. 
right? These are different types of places than Mecklenburg County. Although Abe Jones from Wake County, <laughs> like, again, like he's he's quickly becoming my favorite. He might actually be already my favorite Democrat lawmaker uh, in Raleigh. All right. Next up is Larry Pittman, Republican from Cabarrus County. He talked about the fundamental and phil- uh, philosophical underpinnings of the right to bear arms. I can well imagine that I'm not the only member of this body who's ever received death threats. You know, I'm, I'm so tired of my wife crying her eyes out because I got another death threat on the phone at 2 o'clock in the morning. I also happen to be a pastor of a small church. I don't know that somebody might not try to make good on one of those threats and come into my church and try to take me out, maybe take some others with me. It's important that we be able to defend ourselves. Um, you know, as, as Representative McNeely pointed out, even Jesus said, you know, Things are going to get bad. You need to have a sword. Um, I think he understood. Because y'all know that I'm all about the right to life. This is a right to life issue. The right to life is the most basic of rights that we have as human beings, and it includes the right to defend our lives. That's why we have the Second Amendment. The Second Amendment does not give you the right to keep and bear arms. It acknowledges that God already gave you the right to defend yourself. So it serves that purpose that already existed before we ever had the Constitution. Right, so I keep coming back to this uh, this idea of risk assessment and people's perception of it. And you heard it expressed by Representative Maury. You heard it expressed by Representative Galliard as well. This uh, th- this idea that this isn't really an issue. It's not an issue. I mean, yes, church shootings do happen, right? But it's not really an issue, which is an interesting argument coming from the people who every time there is a shooting, they use that as the... Uh, you know, the the point to make that we need to do all sorts of legislation in order to stop these things from happening. But this idea of risk assessment, like just because you're not afraid of somebody breaking into your house and assaulting your family and killing them doesn't mean I have to likewise not be afraid of that. I can take steps to protect myself and my family from that kind of uh, event. You don't have to, but you shouldn't stop me from preparing myself for it. It's all about choice, you know? All right, that's a wrap for the episode. Thanks so much for listening. I do appreciate it. Remember, subscribe to the podcast, thepetecalendarshow.com. Think about becoming a patron as well. Uh, You get, you know, exclusive content like the live streams and the bumper stickers. We'll talk with you later. Don't break anything while I'm gone. Bye.